What's going on, Gonzalez, Texas? Welcome to episode 52, season four of Talking Throws Podcast, Texas. I'm Coach Jason. And I'm Coach Janelle. And we are Throws Coaches with the Throwing Factory Track Club. I remind everybody that you can go shopping at the Thorn Factory at the thornfactory.com website. You can get these really cool podcast t-shirts. We just came out with a new hammer shirt, iHammer, that is on the site now. So I think it's like $25. So go check that out. It's really cool. Um, it's really got a good logo and the, and the logo's on the back. Um, then also remind everybody too, we're, do, we're doing lessons. We're doing online lessons. In fact, I've been doing some online lessons from people from Iowa in kansas so uh, those are going really well so if you have any interest in those feel free to reach out to me and uh, we can get things rolling with that i remind everybody about west at the thorn factory and east at the thorn factory as well Uh, they're looking for throwers so contact coach kai or coach jarvis and you can find their information at thethornfactory.com we want to thank our sponsors for season four uh, texas track and field coach association they're having their uh, winter clinic coming up January 7th and 8th of 2022. Uh, it's going to be at the Great Wolf Lodge and Grapevine. Use the code 2022TRACK for your d- discount on room rates. Ryan, remind everybody, too, that you're getting 32 CPE hours, and there's going to be presentations from throwing, from hurdling, all that type of stuff, and also you get access to the Hall of Fame induction ceremony as well. So uh, go to the website to check that out. Uh, then 4throws.com, our quality implements price right. 4throws.com, you can use the code TALKINGTHROWS20 to get 20% off. Janelle, did you know that at 4throws.com, you can get medicine balls? I did not know this. Did you know that you can get cones? I did not get hats. You can get hats for sure, <laughs> but then also you can get throwing nets. Nice. You can get measuring tapes, field, mar- field markings. You can get access to pole vault standards. And then you can also get javelin equipment as well. So go to 4throws.com, use the code TALKINGTHROWS20 to get 20% off. Uh, Porta-Dash Circle, making throwing more accessible, porta-circle.com. Use code TALKINGTHROWS10. Winter's coming, so you can use Porta-Circles for drills in the basketball gym, underneath the stadium, or in your hotel room. Our favorite athletic development, Ready Up Athletic Development, for semi-private strength conditioning, um, for in the greater Austin area, contact Zach Phillips at 512-507-8347. You can uh, check out his website at readyupad.com or follow Zach at ReadyUp on Instagram or Facebook. And then also we want to thank our new sponsor for Season 4, Fiber Sports Disc. Um, looking at a new way to get balance and distance into your discus. It's not about the whim rate any rim weight anymore go to fibersportdiscus.com or contact Bruce Caldwell at 817-819-1472 and um, we appreciate all our sponsors for uh, season four. Today's guest um, is a 2021 uh, Olympian that just got back from Tokyo. Uh, She finished fourth at the U.S. Olympic trials with a mark of 5749. In 2019, she had a PR in the Javelin of 63.54. Uh, she is a 2011 graduate of Rice University, where she was a Conference USA champion in the indoor and outdoor pole vault in 2011. And also in the same conference meet, she placed second in the Javelin. Um, she's also a 20, 2007 graduate of Gonzales High School, where she was a 
four-time state champion in the pole vault, and she also played basketball. I think she even played football and a little bit of softball as well. 52, episode 52, season four, uh, Ariana Ince. Hi, guys. Hello, how are you? I'm wonderful, how are you two? We're well, we're well. Thank you so much for being on. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for It is an honor to have you on. Well, we'll see about that if I'm fine. <laughs> you're our you're our first Olympian for 2021. Yeah, there you go. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. we uh, honestly, I, I want to be fully transparent. We, I've never heard you or anything about you, and then I'm watching the trials, and the first one they say of, uh, they, when they introduce you is you're from. She's from Gonzales, Texas, and she looks at me. She goes, "We got to have her on the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> Texas, get her on the podcast. <laughs> well, and of Texas too, right? Those come and take it flags. Everything. What's yes. more Texan than someone from Gonzalez? That is true. I didn't even think about that. Uh, yeah. And I used to teach Texas history as well. So <laughs> that was because yeah, seventh grade is supposed to be all Texas history, and in Gonzalez, Texas history was Gonzalez history first. And oh, it was. And everybody else were like, and because of us. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. Now, that is we'll awesome. say we're going to stop, start a little bit different because of your unique background. Where I would like to maybe start is I'll start with the first question. I'm going to pick it up okay. um, June 25th when you're qualifying in Eugene for the trials. And work backwards. And work backwards. Is that cool? Backwards. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Usually we go, how did you start throwing? But it, we, you had so many other things before that. So we want to work backwards. Okay. To kind of set the stage to how you got where you're at. I'm flexible on that. I can do awesome. that. Awesome. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's start on that June 25th of qualifying when you're at Gene, Eugene. Kind of tell us what was going through your mind that day and, and what did you feel like you had to do to get into the finals? <sighs> To get into the final, I wasn't, I wasn't as worried about getting into the finals. Okay. Just because U.S. Women's Javelin isn't, isn't men's shot put, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not, I don't know a better way to say that. Like it's not stacked. Like it's, there's kind of a couple of us up there at the top and then there's kind of a drop off after that. And I could get in and on my soapbox about not having javelin in U.S. high schools, but we won't do that. Uh, we can bring yeah. it up at the end, though. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I want people to try and like me at the beginning. At the beginning <laughs> I decide that I'm not very fun. Um, so, yeah, I, I wasn't that worried about qualifying, and I was just trying to reinforce some techniques and cues because I was really struggling and kind of continued to struggle through um, the end of the season, just because things weren't really cemented in. Uh -huh. So it was more just trying to come down and be athletic and try and hit positions. And I'm someone that can kind of get away with not being super great at technique right now, because I'm pretty, pretty fast. I'm tall. I've, I've got a lot of like good athletic attributes going for me. Unfortunately, that's not how you throw the javelin far. <laughs> um, <laughs> So like I can get away with some other things. Um, and I, so I wasn't as worried about qualifying for finals Gotcha. Okay. Um, at trials. So you, so you qualified third. 
okay, and you throw the one the one eighty eight eight. Were you feeling good, even though you just said you weren't very comfortable technically? Were you feeling good about your technical spot to maybe boost you to maybe get um, bronze or, or silver or gold going into the finals? Yeah, because I I very much going into that. Like I got a little bit better all the way through prelims. I wasn't worried about taking free throws. Everyone is worried about conserving energy the day before. I'm like, it's, it's what, 98 degrees. <laughs> this is a casual fall day in yeah. you know, South Texas. Um, so the heat wasn't really something I was worried about. It was just like, I felt like I was getting closer and closer and closer to actually like hitting one. Like I never felt at any point at trials that I ever hit one and I'm throwing oh, really okay. yeah, 57, 58 meters. I'm like, missed it, missed it, missed it. Um, so I was optimistic that I still hadn't hit one. It was starting to go a little bit further every time going into finals. Okay. Now. And so you, you, you make top three and then you got the, the top 12 going into the finals the following day. How, you know, educate us a little bit because we don't have that kind of in Texas and that kind of where you do qualify, then you got to turn around and come back and compete in finals. Kind of as a professional thrower, what's kind of your mindset to be able to turn it on for this, but then have that delay and turn it back on the following day? Well, and it's funny that you say that because even as a professional thrower, those two-day qualifying things aren't that frequent. So even oh. like at Pan American Games um, – in 2019 that I went to, that was a straight through final on the same day. Every U.S. championship before trials is a straight through that day. Mm. So it's really only Worlds, Olympics, and Olympic trials that they oh, do wow. this two-day thing. So it's it's not something that we're always super familiar with either as professional throwers. It's something that we also kind of have to manage in the moment based upon our personal strengths. Um, and for me, like, that was – Sometimes with javelin, if you hit a really hard block, it really hurts. Or if you miss it a little bit and you're open, it really hurts. Um, so I was really just trying to not do that and then be in pain going into the next day. But I wasn't worried about being – I mean, it's just three throws. I wasn't worried about being fresh or being tired or anything like okay. that going into the next day. Okay, okay. Okay. So you get to the next day, your first throw, you go, you go 55 meters. Were you feeling pretty good with that first opening throw? No, I felt super disconnected. Um, oh, really? It was um, something where like I knew, like the problem is like with javelin, like I kind of mentioned earlier, it's not something that you can just muscle out or just mm -hmm. tough out. It's not like at the end of a race where you're like, if you just, try your hardest and just, you know, the lactic acid's building up and you, if you just try and maintain your form, it'll be fine. You can't do that. Like if your timing is off, even just a little bit, it's really hard to line it up. And so if, when that timing's not there and you tend to know it, you're kind of, you kind of have this, oh crap moment of like, <laughs> let me see if I can like figure this out. Um, so when I threw my first throw at 55, my warmups hadn't gone super great either. I was like, all right, we're in it now. So it's going to be a day. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you, when you're in that type of setting, I know some people kind of scream and are kind of, we've had people on where they kind of chat to themselves and do crazy stuff on the side. <laughs> what, what's your approach when you're not throwing? Um, definitely not screaming. <laughs> um, I'm I'm not a super emotional person, okay. uh, especially not on a javelin runway. It's very, 
um, focused on business. And it's really, I the thing I remember from trials is just kept, I kept thinking like, I've, there's, there's one there. I just need one. And I don't even have to throw it that far. Yeah. Um, And I think that was the most frustrating part is that even third place was not far. Like third place wasn't far. um, And I was having a terrible day. um, And unfortunately it was a bad day to not have a good day. Mm -hmm. And the girl in third had the best day of her life. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just, all I have to do is this. And because it was so tantalizingly close, it was that much more frustrating. It'd be one thing if third place had been 62, 63 meters farther than I'd thrown that or this past year, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't, it was totally doable. And that was what made it infuriating off to the side was going, I know that I can do this. Yeah. So it was more of an incredulous, what what do I need to do to fix this? And unfortunately, I only had six throws. And like when you get in those high pressure situations, it just, it didn't didn't come to fruition the way that I kept thinking that it should. Was that your first time in Eugene? And was it the first time in Eugene, stupid backup question, throwing javelin? (laughs) No. um, No, okay. I I qualified for trials in 2016. Okay. U.S. championships were in Eugene in 2015. Okay. And I also qualified for Olympic trials in 2012. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. So with the new stadium and the new aerodynamics of all that type of stuff, I'm curious, did, in your perception, was the javelin th- flying different? No, because no? the thing about the javelin is, or the thing about Hayward is it's not designed for the javelin at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's designed to have a nice little tailwind down that back straight for the sprinters, uh-huh. um, which ironically is the exact opposite direction that we have to throw. <laughs> so there is a beautiful headwind all the time and that's the side of the stadium that they left open and Mm -hmm. so that is like we had the same headwind that we've always had and people usually struggle there just because there's a headwind like i know the europeans hate the europeans hate throwing a new gene one because it's so far away and they finally have to travel for the first time (laughs) Um, but also just because like that headwind is notorious like we all talk about it it's just there so you get you get fourth place and you finally on your your fourth throw you throw the one eighty eight seven so you're consistent from the day before, um, but you don't you don't have the Olympic standards so some of us that are not very educated on how this process works and that you got fourth place can you kind of walk us through how you were able to get above the whetstone uh, whetstone young lady yes um so they set the standards really high because they started this thing called the world ranking system. Mm-hmm. The world ranking system is a point system. They tried to make the simplest sport in the whole world as complicated as possible. <laughs> so I understand your confusion. Yeah. Um, essentially there's this world ranking system and it's the average of your five best meets, like, and you get like a point score for that. However far you throw, there's a multiplier for how well you did and what ranking the meet was. The whole point of that ranking system is they're trying to get away from people that go to these little backyard meets and all of a sudden throw really far, Uh you know, like where it's all of a sudden like you consistently throw. So let's do women's javelin. You consistently throw 
58 meters and you just have a throw that's 65 out of the middle of nowhere and you've never done it again, but that qualified you. They were trying to get rid of stuff like that. Okay. So you had to one, be consistent at it and two, be consistent in meets that matter. Because if you want to qualify for a meet that matters, you need to be consistent in meets that matter. So the cap of the number of people that they were going to take was 32. Okay. So you had to be ranked in the top 32 based on that ranking system. At the time, I was ranked 16th, and Avion was not in the top 32. So she, and that's where it's confusing in events like Javelin, right? Because only two people had the standard, and then I was the only one with the world rankings set up. So really, no one else could have qualified. Like, if, if, okay. if Maggie, Kara, and I, none of us had gotten top three, all three of us still would have gone. Okay. Interesting. So okay. you you kind of knew that as your wild card when you were qualifying. I kind of did, but there, um, Avion, the woman who got third, uh -huh. was close enough. She was in the well, she was in the fifties, so I, it was kind of a long shot. But then when she got third at trials, that ranking was also factored into her overall ranking. Okay. So it moved her up, but we didn't know by how much it was going to move her up. So it was possible that if she had moved up into the top 32, like if she had been ranked 32nd or 31st, I wouldn't have gone because then she would have been within that cap gotcha. that she could have gone, but she ended up like 40th. So there's like USATF could have submitted her, but she wouldn't have been accepted. And then we wouldn't have had a third person go. You did a good job of explaining that. Well, yeah. I've had yeah, that a lot. Well, you got to have a Rice undergrad and a yeah, master's in Texas A&M. Yeah. smart a time or two. <laughs> For <laughs> sure. Things, yeah. But you brought it down to, Our to, level. My, <laughs> to my PE teacher, middle school coach, history teacher level where it made sense. So. Yeah, this is, a, this is a modified podcast. <laughs> <laughs> So, so after you find out, you know, that she didn't move up into the 32, I'm sure you're just elated that, you know, you're going to represent the U.S. to go to Tokyo, right? Yes. I mean, yes. And there was still just that horrible feeling of like, but you got fourth place, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it was really bittersweet and frustrating because in 2017, I don't know if you're ready to move back yet, but in 2017... Okay. I made world championships in a similar fashion. Okay. I didn't have a standard. I had to wait for the ranking points to come out, et cetera. Like, and then you find out super last minute and then you go and they don't have your sizes correct because you had to just turn in the sheet later because you didn't get to go to team processing. And all of a sudden you look ridiculous because nothing fits you. And it's just this horrible feeling of, everyone else gets all of the celebration and then you're all of a sudden on the team kind of quietly. And yeah. I told myself I would never let that happen again. And then I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really frustrated with myself for that, but still obviously elated to be able to be on the team gotcha. and genuinely believing that I still deserve to go because unfortunately like the trials, it, it is the hardest team to make, like oh, yeah. not always the best people go because it depends on how you do on the day and anyone can argue that all the, all they want, but like there are plenty of times the best person doesn't make it. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, so moving forward, walk us through your prep before you left to go to Tokyo. 
Um, and, and what was your mindset in your training and what did you feel like you had to accomplish to, to make the finals in Tokyo? I was really just trying to get back to feeling connected with my timing. Okay. Um, so I spent a lot of time trying to just drill down throws and drill down, um, positions and things like that. And I was trying to figure out why I was doing some of the things I was doing. Cause like I said, it's a super technical event. Yeah. My strength has always been that I'm really fast and that I'm really tall and long. So like I'm quick, I can like hit a position like like right to left faster than everybody else. Like I'm probably one of, if not the fastest woman on the javelin runway. Um, that has its advantages and that has its cons in that because I'm fast and I know that I'm fast, sometimes I try and throw the javelin before my feet are down because I know that it's coming too fast. And so it was trying to figure out ways to trick myself into because I, I basically spent all year with the incorrect timing so you got four weeks to try and fix a year's worth of stuff and see if it sticks and so it was it was like trying like every day to try and like re redo that timing in my head and with my body who's your coach do you have a do you have your uh, a professional coach that helps you or are you kind of self-coached so the coach at the olympic training center is john degada okay, um, okay. he coaches all of the throws and he will self-admit that he's not a javelin coach okay he has said that he's learning a lot he has learned a lot um but he's typically like a heavy throws hammer shot guy mm -hmm. um what he is really good at is observing and piecing together specific things. But in terms of like straight up javelin coaching, um, he's, he's not that. Okay. <laughs> so, so it was us kind of trying to figure it out together okay. and doing the best we could with what we had and the time that we had. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you go through that four weeks. Do you, do you fly out for <laughs> the opening ceremonies um, and, and take part in that kind of what was your travel schedule going into Tokyo? I did not go to opening ceremonies. We didn't have track and field didn't have the option to go to opening. Oh, ceremonies. okay. You did not. Um, I, I forget the reason why I was totally fine with that. I wasn't there to sweat for four hours wearing gotcha. a jean jacket and, you know, walk for walk through and all that sort of stuff. I was there to compete. So we went out the earliest that we could, I think that was July 30th, which for me, was it July 30th? It may have been before that, July 27th. I think okay. it was a full week before I competed. Okay. And I didn't have jet lag. I didn't have any of those problems. I felt really good. Um, east to west is always way easier travel. And um, like, I felt like I had really good practices and all that sort of stuff. Like my mindset was really positive all that sort of fun stuff. I had people ask me if I was a multi-eventer, which always makes you feel pretty good, yeah. right? Uh, um, I'm a shot putter. I beat, I beat Anna Kuntz. <laughs> 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 for sure, for sure. Yeah. Now, do you, I'm, I'm curious, because we, we travel and we have to travel. And we always put our shot puts in our discus and our carry-on. Did you, did you take your javelins to Tokyo and how did you transport them? <laughs> I mean, so I, I used to be a vaulter in college. Yes. 
javelins are so much easier than pole. Oh, that is true. So is I true. like to me, I'm like, this is easy. I don't need someone <laughs> to help me. I don't have to get dropped off at the airport. Um, I mean, you get lots of questions about what they are, but I mean, yeah. they're just oversized bags. Okay. Um, okay. It's nothing, nothing crazy. You just get asked a lot of questions. And, yeah. How, how was the COVID testing once you got there? Cause what we saw on TV, it seemed to be kind of pretty stressful for y'all to get tested every day. And was that kind of, was there a little bit of paranoia among you and maybe Maggie that, Oh, we got to keep our distance from everybody. Um, I don't think anyone felt that way until Sam oh. Kendrick tested positive. And then I think everyone had that moment of, Oh no, like this is not because the, the day after the day, the day before he tested positive, we had all taken a team photo and we oh. were all kind of packed in kind of close and we oh, were wow. all kind of, if this rips through this team, we oh. are never going to hear the end of it. No. Um, but I mean, we took a spit test every morning. I, that was one of the things I did not miss when I got home was having to get up and spit into a tube. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I was never really that nervous about it. I'm vaccinated. Okay. I like generally healthy all the time. Say I use the hand sanitizer. I wear the mask when I'm supposed to wear the mask. Yeah. Okay. It, it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal. And they were super like all the tests we had to take before it felt like a super safe environment. So it was super surprising when people would get positive tests. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. So how was your training before you got out there, before you actually had to compete? Did you get an opportunity to, you know, get some runway runs and get a feel for the stadium and all that type of stuff? Yeah. So you basically go out to a warm-up track outside the stadium. So you can do throws and stuff out there. And my warm-ups out there went really great. Um, okay. I felt really good. Uh, I was throwing like 60 in warmups oh, wow. and then we went in the stadium. There's that huge break between warming up outside and you go into a call room and you go to a different call room and then they check your shoes and they make sure you're not bringing anything that you're not supposed to. Oh, wow. Really? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, all that stuff. Really? Like, no, no, no. Okay, cool. And then they, I swear they walk you the long way to the jab runway. Um, too much cardio like, <laughs> um and then i got on the runway and like felt decent in warm-ups and then it's i don't know what to tell you i haven't figured it out yet i wish i had an answer for you it's like i just lost control of my arms i wasn't nervous i wasn't anxious i just was like i don't know where my body is in space um, and i don't know if it was a the amount of time from warmups to competing uh-huh. or what, but I definitely like, by the time my name was called, I was like, mm, okay, I can't feel any of these positions. So it may have just been adrenaline. It may have been something yeah. like that, but yeah. I, that's the only thing I know to tell you. In, in, that, in that type of situation is, you know, representing the USA were, you know, Maggie and, and Winger, were they, were y'all kind of had each other's backs in that situation, you know, representing the U.S.? Was there team support? Yeah, I mean, so, like, Kara is one of my closest friends okay. ever. Um, like, during the pandemic, I lived at her house with her and her husband for four months. Oh, oh wow. awesome. Okay. So, like, I, like, yes, I yes. care with my roommate, like, yeah, wonderful human. Wow. Um, and then I was in the same flight as Maggie, 
And okay. I've known Maggie since she was at A and M. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, I think when she transferred to A and M, I helped show her around A and M campus when oh, she wow. transferred from Nebraska to A and M. Okay. So I've known Maggie since she literally stepped foot on campus. <laughs> yeah. um, so I don't know. I'm just so comfortable with the two of them that it was yeah. never like, we're in this together representing the United States. It's like, hey, friend, I hope you do well. Like, I hope awesome. You, okay, great. I hope you, you know, maximize and reach your potential. Like, I, and then like seeing Maggie throw like the auto on the first throw, I was like, dang, you've come a long way. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool. Like it's, and she's, been throwing really far all year and so that was totally expected yeah so i mean that was we were all super supportive of each other the whole time it was never never awesome. so again. so on the, you did throw 50 54 98 um was that which throw was that of the three i think that was my last one it was your last one okay yeah. okay at that point did you kind of realize that you weren't going to be moving forward I mean, you all, you always have that hope, right? Because it just yeah. takes one. Um, but even on that third one, I was, I I tried again to just rely on pure athleticism, and again, mm-hmm. that's that's not the event. Like if you yeah. see the video for that throw, um, my left foot isn't even down yet, and I've started throwing the javelin. So I basically threw. 55 meters with my arm and wow. no legs on the ground. Oh, wow. You can't do that. Like, I don't care how strong you are. It's like throwing a wiffle ball. Like you yeah. have to have the timing set up. Yeah. And there's no, there's no like ribbons or awards for throwing it with just your arm. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's cool, but that's not the event. Yeah. Yeah. So, so moving to the, to the to the finals um you didn't make top 12 did you watch did you go back and watch the finals and support so i so because of covid they um ship you out 48 hours after your last event oh really so i was like on a plane like somewhere over the pacific i think when maggie was throwing wow wow so all right, so that was going to lead me into my next question. So did you get to go see any of the other, you know, U.S. athletes compete in Anything? water polo or any of that stuff? No. Nothing. No. Nothing well, at and all. That's, and that's what was really cool about, or what is really cool about being friends with Kara is that that was her fourth Olympic. So she could be like, normally it's like this. Normally it's like this. Yeah. It's like this. Um, but I mean, normally even in, non-COVID Olympics, it's really difficult to go see other events uh-huh. just because there are spectators and there aren't tickets available. Yeah, okay. And this was same thing. You could try and sneak into other events and get on other buses, but you had to be really careful because you could get in a lot of trouble for oh, doing really? it. And I, I'm a, like kind of a rule follower <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> like when I feel like it's important. If I think the rules right. are dumb, I'm not going to do exactly. it. Exactly. Um, so that wasn't something that I felt like I wanted to chance. Gotcha. Japanese jail. What was it? What was it being like in the Olympic Village and stuff? Because we saw TV, you know, the yeah. the, the street of flags, and yeah. you know, the the restaurants open twenty four seven. Was the it really just... small cardboard beds? I or... wanted to ask about the beds too. How was that? I well, and so it's funny because that you guys asked this because in my in my real adult life. 
Um, I have a job as an ergonomist, so like uh-huh. classroom biomechanics, like industrial engineering type stuff. And I literally just wrote an article talking about how difficult it is to build an athletic like an athlete village at the Olympics yes. that everyone's going to like. It's nearly impossible. True. You've got people that are four foot eight to seven foot eight <laughs> from all over the world. Like there was a Chinese weightlifter who said the beds were too soft and slept on the floor. <laughs> How are you going to make everyone happy when literally yeah. everyone, like we, Karen and I ordered mattress pads. I think Maggie ordered a mattress pad. There's just mattress pads everywhere in the U.S. house right now. Um, <laughs> so the U.S. team is so big that we typically have our own building. Okay. So you can interact with people from different sports if you go out of your way and do that. Like um, down in the lobby, there was a TV where we'd all watch different events with each other. Like the baseball team was usually down there because I don't ever know what I don't know if baseball ever actually played. I I saw that they did, but they were constantly watching TV down there. <laughs> was there? I'm curious. Was there anybody that you wanted to try to meet that maybe you were kind of starstruck to meet in the Olympics or anybody like that? I wasn't. I know this isn't the answer you want. I I I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't impressed by anyone. I okay. like. I saw Yao Ming walk by my table and his steps were at the same height as the table I was eating dim sum off of. Oh, wow. So that was more of a whole, but there were also so many people trying to take pictures of him that I wasn't about to be one of those people too. So I, I'm more, I'm more of that person. that's like, huh, look who that is. Cool. I'm going to leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, But that's just, that's just me. Like, and I'd like, you'd see other people. And a lot of times uh, gymnastics and U.S. basketball will stay outside the village because if they don't, they will spend all day taking photos with people. Oh, really? So the basketball team and, and gymnastics, the they never, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, thanks for the insight. Yeah, yeah there you go. So, yeah. yeah. Did you get to hang out with Ryan? Cause he's a good, bu- he's a good buddy of the show. Did you see <laughs> Ryan at the cafeteria? Yeah. Ryan Carlson. Yeah, like, Ryan is so funny to me. Um, like he's just such an easy dude to talk to, and everyone yes. so like he's not like he's he's a big giant man, and he's so quietly funny and witty. Yes. Um, and just like if you if you're not paying attention or you're not like quite quick enough, you will not catch him just completely roasting you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny to watch him do it to other people, but. Um, yeah, like I saw him, like we like walked back and forth with like breakfast and stuff together. He was one of the people that wanted to trade pens. Have you guys heard about the pens? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he was a big pin trader. So, and I'm not, so I was like, take my pens, Ryan. (laughs) Go like, please go do this. Have fun. fun. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, have fun. I don't need more stuff. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. So that that that's felt like a little bit of family environment while you're over there away from your family in the States. Then. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and I've been on not enough teams, not so many teams, but I've been on enough teams okay. that you start to meet a lot of the same people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's that's the only time that you hang out with them. Like, one of the coolest humans is like Katie Najat, Olympic gold medalist, all that sort of stuff. I only ever see her or interact with her on teams. So every time I do, it's like, 
hey friend, like, how have you been? How's it going? I saw this on social media, etc. And so you get people like that in your life that track and field is what brings you together. And you become weirdly close in these unique ways in these moments. And then you disperse across the country again. Wow. Wow. That's cool. So, so moving forward, um, are you looking to go to, to uh, Paris and is that the plan moving forward? Or you I mean, ideally, Paris? yes. Um, or so Italy, my, yes. my <laughs> first, my first ever international competition was in Africa. Okay. And world championships for track and field in 2025 are supposed to be in Africa. Okay. They don't know where yet, but they're supposed to be in Africa. So to me, that feels like a good bookend okay. to the beginning and end of a career. So 2024 falls within that. So then ideally, yes. But awesome. you got to make the team first, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, do you have any more meets coming up? Um, no. So I shut it down after Tokyo um, okay. because the standards for Eugene are the same as Tokyo was. Okay. Um, like it's 64 meters for women, 85 meters for men. Um, and it felt more important to me to stop trying to fix something in a competition and kind of take a step back, go to off season and then figure out that timing going and have a full year to do that. Awesome. That awesome. Awesome. Great. Great. Yeah. All right. Now we can move back. <laughs> <laughs> now that you know, she went to the Olympics in the javelin. Yes. How yes. in the world? Yeah. yeah. All yeah. the other things you did. She I don't have information. You believe me now, right? I just, you're not like, did she go? She went. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, we we knew we saw, we saw you on TV. We we were, I watched it and I've watched the qualifying and all that. So I definitely I've watched it like four or five times. I'm That's, I'm obsessed with all this. So I yeah. come home and he's watching. I'm like, I think that was over a few weeks ago. I I think we're done. They're yeah. all they're all resting right now, but he's watching it over and over and over. Hi, my name is Meredith McGee, and my father is the founder of Porta Circle. We created Porta Circle in order to make throwing more accessible so that you can truly train anywhere. Growing up in Rochester, weather was often a roadblock toward training, and having the Porta Circle was a lifesaver for both the indoor and outdoor season. Circles start at $149 and go to our website to learn more. www.porta-circle.com Porta Circle, making training convenient. So, so let's, let's go to high school. Okay. You're four stop, four or three times state champion in the pole vault from Gonzalez High School. Four times. Four times? Okay. Four times. Oh, oh, 07 graduate. Yep. What is life like for you? At this you point? didn't have to say the date, but it's fine. Oh, <laughs> oh we're way old. We're not, we're in I, the woods. <laughs> all of my roommates are under under 30 years old. So I'm oh. uh, <laughs> a little sensitive. I gotcha. Gotcha. So, so. Were were you introduced to pole vaulting early? And I know I think I read too where you were a very multi-sport athlete. Did you even play football as well? I did play football. Um, I played football through my sophomore year. Um, I was a wide receiver and a corner. None of this really? was nonsense. I actually played. Um, wow. And I mean, it was a small school, and I'm I'm six feet tall, and I yeah. can run pretty fast, and I can catch. So yeah. they're gonna put me on the team if I want to be there. Um, but as in regards to how I got into pole vault, um, <laughs> seventh grade, 
my mom was late picking me up from track practice. Uh And I was standing at the fence very intently watching the pole vault. Uh, because I had a huge crush on one of the boys that was vaulting. Okay. And a coach came up and said, and watched me intently watching the pole vault and said, do you want to try that? And I was like, yeah. For sure. He stopped vaulting after that year, but I kept going. (laughs) Um, So I guess, like, thanks. Thanks, Lance. (laughs) Thanks for that, boy. So what were you doing in track that mom was, like, picking you up? What events were you doing? Um, I was mostly doing, like, they hadn't really put me in any field events yet. I was just sprinting. Uh, I was was on the all the relays, like 400, 200, all that sort of stuff. So was your mom and dad, were they very athletic? Were they? (laughs) No, not at all. (laughs) They cannot figure out where this came from. like I have two younger siblings and I they're not athletic. Not they're athletic. Not, not athletic. Not, athletic. Got it. not even like mildly athletic. Like <laughs> like I could I can say this because it's a Texas talk show, like bless their hearts. Yes. <laughs> Everybody knows that. they're not athletic. Um and I uh, I've had some cousins that played soccer. Uh-huh. Take that back. I had a cousin that played soccer. Yeah. Um, but nobody else, like people like played sports in high school, but nobody that even played in college. Gotcha. Um, uh-huh. So like my parents aren't athletic. Like they're the smartest people I've ever met in my entire life, but not I athletic. not athletic. <laughs> gotcha. not, don't ask him to throw a ball or catch it. Gotcha. I mean they can throw, like they like Right, <laughs> but they have hand eye like my like my parents have fast reflexes and good hand eye coordination, but not in a sports setting. I don't, gotcha. I don't know what happened. Yeah. So, here's <laughs> a kind of a silly question. So, if we gave a javelin to your mom and daddy and your two siblings, out of the four, which one would throw it farthest? <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard question. Not my sister. Not um, your sister. <laughs> my sisters. So I'm six feet tall. Like. Uh-huh. I'm going to say 170 because I'm manifesting that. I'm closer to like 160. Yeah, okay. uh, my sister is like 5'4", 100 pounds soaking wet. Oh, okay. So okay. no to her. No. no. Uh, my brother would probably hurt himself. <laughs> hard. Uh, but he would have the potential to throw the furthest. And then after that, my guess would be... I think my mom would actually throw for oh, There you go. Okay. Gotcha. I think my mom, because she'd be patient enough to be like, okay, what am I supposed to do? And my dad would be like, all right, just throw it like this. <laughs> yeah, mom would analyze it. He would, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And then awesome. my dad would try and redesign the javelin so that the weight is further. So like, more so aerodynamic so <laughs> so good. we're not going to go into your all your high school career but a little bit about your recruiting I know you wound up going to Rice but was there other options that you had besides going to Rice to maybe Paul Walt or do other things um so I got pretty heavily recruited by Kansas State okay and there were like a couple of other schools but they wouldn't have had I really wanted to do engineering for school okay um, and some people were like you're not gonna be able to do engineering and track and I was like okay well you clearly don't know me so yeah good day yeah um but it's funny because I went when I went on my visit to Kansas State like you talked about all the sports I played in high school like at the end of high school like end of junior year when I was or beginning of senior year when I was doing all this I was exhausted 
I had cut it down to just three sports by my senior year because I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And so I went on my visit to Kansas State and they immediately said, we want to turn you into a multi-eventer. And when Cliff Revelto told, tells you that he wants to turn you into a multi-eventer, you should probably listen. Yeah. But I didn't because I was 17 and an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, that sounds like a lot of work. And also the pole vault isn't in the heptathlon. Yes. So I, and at the time I was like, I have three state championships in the pole vault and you want me to come and do an event that has nothing, that doesn't have any of that. Um, in retrospect, I would have found the javelin sooner. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I would have probably been a pretty decent multi-eventer. Um, but that's okay. So then I went to Rice because they had a great vault coach and still do the same person. Uh, David Butler had a great vault coach. They were going to, they were totally understanding of me wanting to do engineering and track. They're like, Oh yeah, people do that all the time. Um, and I, I don't know if it's like this small town kid thing. Like I grew up in a small town and I always wanted to get out and I felt like I couldn't, like Houston wasn't even far enough away. Like I, now okay. I live in California, right? I, yeah. I did it. I finally did it. You got it. Um, but I just wanted to break out and go do stuff and like explore. And it finally came down to rice felt like the best way for me to have avenues to travel post collegiately uh-huh. like jobs and stuff like that. I wasn't even thinking about track more so than if I felt like I'd gone to a state school anywhere, I probably would have been stuck pretty local to that state school. At least that's what I was thinking. So Rice felt like the best combination of pole vault specifically, being able to do engineering and like being able to then kind of get out and branch out and do what I wanted to do after school. Gotcha. Gotcha. So during your freshman year is, well, how did the javelin come about? Cause I'm looking at your bio from Rice and you know, you actually kind of did both all four years, right? You kind of bounced back and forth. So that's a fun story. And I would love for it to be told correctly for once. Um, I did not really do the javelin freshman or sophomore or junior year of rice. Okay. There are parks there. Yeah. Correct. Because I would show up to conference and they'd be like, we put you in the javelin. It's the day after pole vault. So just do it. And I'm like, what? Really? So I would throw it. And then I'd be like, I don't know how to do this. And they'd be like, oh, don't worry about it. We won't do that again. Sophomore year. Put you in the javelin. Okay. I, do, I still don't know what I'm doing. Uh-huh. Okay. We won't do that again. Junior year. <laughs> we, put you, we put you in the javelin. And I'm like, Excuse me? Can we? And so I was so frustrated of looking like a complete fool that going into senior year, I was like, can I please, if you're going to do this again, can I please have some training in this? Okay. Like, can I, can we please do something? Cause I'm tired of being put into this event at a conference meet and getting dead last and looking like a fool. And they're like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll think about it. And then finally, <laughs> go ahead. No, I was going to ask, so did they didn't even explain, like, how to hold it? Did you? They said, follow this, what that one girl's doing. <laughs> that was the technique. I was like, what? I mean, what she does. So, so you didn't does. know anything about the three different grips or any of that? No. Did you even I... have javelin shoes? I'm just curious. No. 
I no. ruined tennis shoes. Oh my god! Not even like a J heel. They didn't even give no. you. That. Oh wow! <laughs> That's why I say, did I throw the javelin? I would argue no. Are there marks? <laughs> yes. But my senior year, I was trying to convince them. I was like, okay. I know that I can do this if you let me practice it. Like I have a good arm. I know that I can do it. And we would do these workouts at Herman Park, which is right mm. next to Rice University. And at Herman Park, there's this giant amphitheater that's built into the side of a hill. Mm. And they were doing construction. And at the top of that hill, there was this chain link fence. And I don't remember how far away it was, but it was far enough away that the coach thought that what I was about to suggest, I wouldn't be able to do. So somebody had left some apples for whatever reason at the bottom of this hill. Cause it's a park. I don't know. At least there were apples. Mm -hmm. I, so I told my coach, I said, if I can throw this apple to that fence, we don't have to run. And she goes, you can't. Sure. Go ahead. So I pick up the apple, take one step, throw it. it and the apple's kind of old, but I throw it. Not only does it reach the fence, but it goes through the chain link fence and explodes <laughs> into a million pieces. Oh, wow. And she stops for a moment and goes, okay, you still have to run. <laughs> That's not what we But do. now you're going to do the javelin. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> after that, they actually let me train in the javelin. So I started working with the throws coach that fall and just kept it super simple. Only ever did crossovers, never did a full run up. And ended up throwing 49 meters. All I know is meters. I don't know feet or anything. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and then they thought, oh, well, she can do that. Let's put her in the multi without telling her. Not at conference, but in a different meet. And I was like, yeah. Doing this to me. <laughs> well, I'm, that, just that, backing okay. up, I'm a little bit curious because to, to educate some of our listeners, especially in Texas, going back to Javelin not being in Texas high school, do you, what kind of grip do you use now? And what did you experiment, you know, from college to what it is now? I'm curious because I, I know did, the grip's very so, important. So I guess we are doing video on this. So yeah, there's yes. the fork grip where you basically hold the jab and you've got two fingers on either side of it. Mm -hmm. That should never be used. Okay. <laughs> it's an option, but you shouldn't do it. Gotcha. Stop it. Um, <laughs> and then there's a grip called the finish grip. I don't know why, but basically it's just your middle finger and your thumb are on the back of the cord and your first finger kind of sits back past the cord. Mm -hmm. So I started with that because my throws coach at Rice saw somebody throwing that way and was like, this is how you throw the depth. <laughs> she was doing her best. She really was. And she admitted to you the whole time was like, I don't know these, I found these drills. This is what we're going to do. And that's all we did. And it, it worked. Yeah. Um, and then I'd always thrown it that way. And then for some reason at a practice in the fall of 2016, I moved to what is considered the American grip. So it's your corner finger and your thumb. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I just picked up the jab the way that that day. And it felt so much more comfortable. And I felt like I had so much better control over it. And I started throwing like that. I've been throwing like that since then. Okay. It was just literally one day I picked it up. I was like, you know, it feels better. I'm just going to do this. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious as I'm sitting here, you're t telling a story about the apple and stuff. My brain's just kind of going 90, 90 miles an hour. I'm curious. You can really relate pole vault to a little bit 
of javelin because of the run up, mm-hmm. the approach, your speed, you know, and the grip's a little bit different, but you can kind of relate that. And I think, you know, I, I don't think I've ever associated a javelin thrower with a pole vault at ever. Here's another soapbox of mine. Okay. Javelin throwers should not be trained by the throws coach. They okay. should be trained by the pole vault coach. Okay. Because they are not throwers. They are jumpers who throw. Okay. I can see that. You have a run up. You have to be dynamic and ballistic in that throw. The only difference from pole vault is that, and I've overused this so many times, but it's so true. You are the catapult as opposed to the projectile. Mm-hmm. So that was always my joke because I got tired of being the projectile and wanted to be the catapult, <laughs> yeah. not knowing that it hurts way more to be the catapult. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's the same thing. It's the same, same shoulder flexibility. It's the same core strength. It's the same, like, you have to be comfortable, like under tension, like moving under tension in that way. And it's, if you look at, especially Europeans, like, especially on the men's side, men's javelin throwers are just really buff pole vaulters. Okay. The really good ones. Like they're just, they're just real, they're just a little bit stronger because they don't have to like pick themselves up so they can mm-hmm. be a little bit heavier and a little bit more dense. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So I've always thought that there should be a jumps coach. There should be a triple long jump, high jump coach. There should be a throws coach who does hammer discus shot put. And then there should be a pole vault javelin coach. Like that's how it should be split. Because like, if you put the javelin in the throws, it's the same thing as putting the pole vault with the jumps. It's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing too, your, your javelin approach was pretty long because your pole vault run up was long. Is that right? Nope. Nope. (laughs) I have one of the shortest javelin approaches in the world because I'm really fast. Uh-huh. And if I go to the back of the runway, and even if I'm trying to hold back and go slow, I will be going too fast to hold a block. So I have to actively slow myself down by cutting my run short and actively trying to be slower. So even in pull vault, like you can go back, yeah, but like you're basically applying all that force into the pole, right? And then you change poles based upon how fast you're moving you can't change your body as quickly to handle that force if you go faster, gotcha. right? So like in javelin, you are the pole and the javelin is the person. The javelin stays the same all the time, but if you apply more speed, all of that force goes into the pole, which is you. So like you have to manage, you have to figure out what pole size you are basically. Gotcha. You can't, what speed can I handle going into this? So what is kind of, I'm just, what is your approach? When do you get into your crossovers before you, uh, you know, let it fly, so to speak? Do you want like a distance or? Yeah, yeah, just, I'm just curious. I think my run up is 65 feet. 65 feet. That's it. Wow. How many steps is How many steps before you start your crossover? That is six, six running steps. Six running steps. Okay. And they're awesome. pretty vertical, and so I don't like take off. Gotcha. I start gotcha. pushing, then you lose posture, and all sorts gotcha. Of stuff. Okay, 
Great, 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 great. I, I have a one a backup question going back to your senior year because you said that you did a heptathlete one of meat. I'm curious. I want to know the shot put uh, mark. Oh, terrible. I think I do <laughs> like 11 meters or something. Oh, come on. You were that great high school athlete. <laughs> and, well, and the hard part is, is I wanted to do this really bad. Yeah, like, you would have thrown it. Instead of just here. Yep. Yep. I was like, I don't know. Well, and I don't have like, I don't have that mobility because I have this mobility. Yeah. Right. So, like trying to come in this way is like, how do I, how am I supposed to do this? How do you guys do this? Do you guys regularly touch your own ears? That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> who, was the, who was the head coach that recruited you to Rice? Um, Jim Bevan. He's Bevin. still there. He's still, yeah. Oh, okay. Was, was uh, Breck, Breck there? He, okay. If we're going to talk about Breck, I could talk about Breck all day. Cause yeah. he's, um, he was not there because he is younger than I am. Okay. <laughs> um, so Breck got there in I think 2017 or 20, no, 2016, maybe mm-hmm. 2016 or 2017, which is I left Texas A&M and moved back to Houston the fall of 2016. And that's when he was there. Um, and he is the most underrated throws coach in the NCAA. I've been told that before. Like, no, like, hands down, like, the one of the most dedicated people, like, one of the most um, just, like, no ego, like, willing to go and, like, figure out whatever each of his athlete needs. Like, he would be at the track from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. because he's working with Rice Kids schedules. And he goes, okay, you have a lab at this day. Like we can come out at this time or you have this and this and this. Um, so he wasn't there, but he was there post collegiately for me. And it was gotcha. really great to be able to bounce ideas off of him. And he'd be like, if you need anything like equipment wise, like weighted balls or like anything like that, like, let me know. And like, we can probably get something. Um, so I've been really fortunate to be able to work with him. And I've kind of started like, in trying to figure out what I need to do for the next year, I've kind of tapped him as a resource Awesome. because he basically took a pole vaulter under my recommendation and turned him into a 70 meter job thrower this past year. Oh, wow. Wow. So like there are a lot of concepts that he understands just about how the body moves and like what that means. Um, And I think, I know he wants to stay with the group, that he is currently working with as long as he can. Cause they're, they're great kids too. And very, oh, yeah. very talented. Um, but I don't see a situation in which he isn't at a big five getting paid six figures within the next like three or four years. It's like wow. he's, he's that good. It, what he's been able to do with the kids at rice is incredible. Wow. And I will sing his praises yeah. <laughs> until he awesome. proves the other one. But. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the name Regina Cavanaugh? Yes. Okay. I was just, I was just wondering. We've had her on our show and she's, she's one of our uh, biggest fans and we're one of her biggest fans as well. I was just wondering if y'all have ever crossed paths. I've never crossed paths with her. She's on every poster ever. So I feel like I know her or at least least the college version of her. Um, So I, I was always in awe of some of the stuff that she was able to accomplish when she was at school. Um, But the fun person that was actually around Rice a bunch was um, Adam Nelson. Oh, he didn't okay. go to Rice, but he was just, he was always just in Houston and he would just be at the track. And I still remember the day where he was like, hi, I'm Adam. And I'm like, Adam, I know who you are. <laughs> I, 
Like, I know that these kids are idiot, but I'm aware of who you are. <laughs> so I don't need, he was like, oh, okay. Like, no, I know exactly who you are. <laughs> Let me fanboy for like half a second and then be a normal person again. <laughs> so your senior year, were you, were you thinking about being a professional, but were you leaning towards pole vault or, or was I it? Was. I was, okay. I I think because I had my, my identity was a pole vaulter and I, yeah. it's still difficult to shake that with announcers sometimes. Yeah. The pole vaulter turned javelin thrower. I haven't vaulted <laughs> in this many years, but okay. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I really thought that pole vault was going to be it. And I wanted to, at the very least, make Olympic trials. I never went to an NCAA nationals meet. Okay. Like, we had prelims, which is basically just regionals now. Yeah, regionals. I never went to nationals in pole vault or javelin. So the fact that I made an Olympic team is ridiculous. I mean, not ridiculous, but... <laughs> Amazing. Uh, statistically improbable. Okay, yeah. there you go. Especially from Gonzalez. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was going to be pole vault. Um, but my pole vault coach mentioned to me he was... And I had kind of been thinking this as I moved through my senior year when I got second at conference and did much better at pole vault or javelin than I did at pole vault is that maybe I should switch to this, but I didn't know how to do that. Um, and that's when I was having a conversation with David Butler, my vault coach. And he said, the coach at Texas A&M, Chico, saw you throwing in a meet and thinks that you should keep throwing the javelin. And I was like, what does that mean? And he goes, that means you need to call him and ask him to coach you. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, my God. You called you, – oh, my God. So, so what was that phone conversation like with Chico? Because I know he doesn't like talking on the phone. No, the conversation with Chico was him saying, you need to come up here and we'll talk about it. I can see that. And I was like, okay. Because, well, it was one, him gauging to see if I was serious or not. Yeah. College Station's an hour and a half away, not even from Houston. So I was like, yeah. okay, that's, I'll drive up for a day and talk to you about it. Um, and it was so, I still remember that day too, because I, I drove up and I thought we were just going to have a conversation. And next thing I know, I'm in the middle of an hour and a half workout that I was not prepared for. And I was like, what are we doing? <laughs> He's like, I'm just seeing where you're at. You could give a girl a warning. <laughs> I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have maybe had four beers last night. I, so, oh just awesome. Not to interrupt, but were you aware of, of his background in Javelin and who he was and, and what he's done in the Javelin? I want to say yes, but the true answer is no. I knew that he was a really good Javelin coach because the AM girls were always – always doing great and then once I kind of got up there and like worked with him I was like let me do some research on this before I get too involved in all that and that's when I found all of his own accolades and all that sort of stuff so wow I knew pretty quick so after that hour and a half with him were you convinced that that is a place where you need to be and who you need to work with Yes. So I originally didn't move up there. I was still living in Houston. So I'd go see him once a week um, and just train with him and all that sort of stuff. And eventually decided if I'm actually going to do this, I need to be closer and like actually train with this coach. So I moved up there 
January of 2012 um, and started training with him and then qualified for Olympic trials, made the finals of Olympic trials in 2012 okay. after just like a year with him. Oh. Wow. What, what, what was some of the things that he kind of changed or implemented in your, in your walk up or approach and all that type of stuff to be, you know, the javelin thrower that you are now? Um, a lot of it for me was strength training, um, yeah, okay. just getting strong in javelin specific ways and just, he was able to talk more specifically about some concepts that I hadn't been able to wrap my head around yet and was then able to slowly move me back once I had mastered those concepts from shorter crossovers. Gotcha. So like I had pretty good fundamentals, but I didn't have quite enough done yet solidly to be able to move back. So we worked on that and then he slowly let me move back. Oh, wow. Wow. So, and then, so at this time you moved up there, but you went and like also became the volunteers coach or throws coach there. As yes. Right? So, like yes. Um, so I like had been a pole vaulter. So this was, so 2012, I didn't, I didn't coach it or anything like that. I kind of just trained with him after okay. things were done and going into 2013 or fall of 2012 after that, um, he came to me one day and he goes, you could probably coach the pole vault, right? I mean, probably. Why? And he goes, come with me. And he like walks me into Jim Van Onigan's office, the jumps coach at the time. And Jim hates the pole vault. He hates it. Like he doesn't want to coach it. He doesn't want anything to do with it. And we, our pole vault volunteer had just left. So okay. we needed another one. And he was like, and Chico walked into Jim's office with me and he goes, Ari's going to coach the pole vault. And Jim goes, <laughs> have you ever coached the pole vault? And I was like, well, I was a pole vaulter. And he goes, sounds good. <laughs> and then I was the volunteer coach for Texas A&M. And the reason, part of the reason that Chico wanted to do that is that then as a volunteer, you travel with the team. Yeah. And so I could practice with him, one. And two, um, I could, Javelin's usually early on in the program, so I could throw at a meet with them and then change and then coach the pole vault, which is what I did for three or four years. Okay. Um, so that's how I ended up being a volunteer coach at AM for the pole vault while throwing the javelin. Wow. Wow. And getting your master's, right? And then I decided to get a master's so that I could justify my, <laughs> my uh, choice, my life choices. <laughs> um, and uh, I like the master's program was, not hard like it was like all morning classes uh -huh. so i'd go to class from 9 to 12 every day of the week and then i'd coach at two and then i'd practice at four and then i'd eat dinner and go to it all over <laughs> you know super social and fun yeah of course of course of course so was he coaching you when you made the worlds and all that and you know so yes okay but in 20, fall of 2016, I was done with my master's. I'd gotten a job in Houston. Um, I couldn't really justify staying in College Station anymore. Okay. So I moved to Houston and started training at Rice. Okay. And I would, he would kind of direct me in that I would see him maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks. Like I'd drive up, I'd take Fridays off and drive up and train with him or mm. Mondays or whatever. Um, and so he was very much my coach. 
but he was not there all the time. So I had to do a lot of that stuff by myself. Gotcha. And I think that's really what made the difference for me is that I had the time where I had to really think about what I was doing and how I felt and what those positions felt like, not what someone was constantly standing there telling me I was feeling. And I think that's what made the big difference. And then he just kind of guided me like once a week, he'd be like, Oh, you know, make sure you're doing this and just kind of redirect me back and forth. And so then that year after I moved and kind of was training by myself is the first year I made a world's team. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So you've kind of been almost kind of your, your self coach. Yeah. Moving forward, all that. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. I mean, I definitely, I don't want to take anything away from, Oh no, no, I, 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 yeah. okay, but um, I very much did 90% of the work by myself. That's and awesome. that's also just kind of who I am as a person probably. <laughs> I, but yeah, I really liked it that way. And okay. you, you, cause you, I, I love your personality. You got a bubbly personality, but also too, what strikes me as you too, is I know if you and I were out playing basketball one-on-one in the driveway, you'd want to kick my ass. I, you yeah. got that mentality, don't you? Yes. Yeah. Well, because I would believe that I deserve to kick your ass. Yeah. And he that I should. Yeah, he thinks the same thing about himself yeah. all the time. So I'm like the funny. fat Michael Jordan. Who <laughs> <laughs> won the what? Who <laughs> won some kind of trophy when he was twelve? <laughs> we won't go into that. But but I, I can sense there's an internal motivation that really kind of motivates you. But you're just very highly competitive. I am. I am very competitive. Um, And I think that, I mean, that has its drawbacks too, right? Like I, I, what I learned about myself this year is that I am probably better off training by myself because I will get super competitive, even like, and it's so dumb. It's so dumb. I'm willing to admit this, how stupid it is. I am the only female thrower at the training center. Mm. All of the other ones, big, strong boys. I lift in the weight room at the same time as them and get so frustrated because they are benching as much as I'm squatting. And I'm like, what is this? Like, I just, and I know it's dumb. I know that like physiologically I will like that's, I can't, I cannot do it. Um, but it drives me bonkers. And like, I would get into competitions with uh, my training partner and he, like he, like men's javelin, is the smallest differential between like weights. Yeah. Like men's and women's hammer thrown about the same distance because the men's is twice as heavy as the women's. Discus, same thing. Shot put, pretty close if you take out Ryan Krauser. (laughs) (laughs) But javelin, there's a 20 meter differential. But I was hyper aware of that 20 meter differential. And if I wasn't within 20 or like closer than 20 meters of Mike, I'd be so frustrated and I would lose technical. I, I, I would do that. And I would, I, I could tell I'm like, I'm 32 years old and I am a child. I need <laughs> to stop this. Cause I have uh, to win. I have to win. It doesn't matter. It's a random Tuesday in April, but I have to win. I'm sure you've been offered this because of y'all's connection, but there's never been any thought to go to Alabama for a couple of days and throw with the U.S. Javelin Project and, and hang out with them for a couple of days? 
if you listen to the story I just told you, yeah, I think that's a bad idea. Okay, <laughs> okay, I was just all right. I understand. Gotcha, gotcha. I do. I I think it would be fine for a couple of days, but again, like I learned that about myself this year real fast. Gotcha. Um, and I kind of always knew that about myself, and. I realize this isn't, see, I waited till the end of the podcast to draw out all of my horrible qualities. Okay. Um, but I, like, I know that about myself. Like I have to train kind of by myself so that I can focus on what I'm doing and not constantly trying to beat the other person. Because right. growing up, when you play six sports, you don't have off season. Yeah. Everything is a competition. Great point. Uh, Great point. And that's what I got used to and... that's my brain so i'm curious on on a normal week for you just maybe even pre-olympics for versus what you're doing now would you throw every day and lift in the mornings or kind of what was your your pyramid pyramidization in your cycle for your training prospect so i also have a full-time job okay you're a i'm an ergonomist Uh, I now work for the state of California, which I know sounds like blasphemy as a Texan. (laughs) Don't worry. I'm trying to take them down from the inside. All right. Good luck with that. I work for the government. They're doing it themselves. I don't have to do anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So basically work starts at eight and I would work from eight to 11. And then we would have a technical practice from basically 11 to one. And then I would go back to work from one to four. Because it's work from home, right? So run back to the dorm working four o'clock weightlifting session from about four to six. Okay. So it was split that way. Um, We were throwing, we'd have two jab throwing sessions a week. And then the other two days were supposed to be kind of technical, but they kind of turned into ball throwing days. So you're really throwing, you're really throwing four times a week, which as a like female physiologically, like you can handle that. Okay. It's volume. Um, and then we have a weight room coach who balanced out the weight room. In now in your lift and your, in your lifting and your workout, are you, and I'm just curious what you're going to say, are you doing cleans and jerks? Are you doing snatches? Are you doing Olympic lifting yes. and explosive stuff? Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Bench press. Not- yes. I, I just, I've always been terrible at bench press cause I have these super long arms. Long arms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really wanted to get good at bench press for no reason other than vanity. Uh, and, uh, our weight coach like humored me enough that he was like, "This, I will let you do more bench press just because that's what you seem to really want. Yeah. But know that it isn't necessary for you to throw a javelin far." Yeah. yeah. And I was like, He's good awesome. about like humoring you and not letting you hurt yourself at yeah, the same time. That is good. Gotcha. So, so you're you're in San Diego now. So, are you kind of going back and forth between Texas? Is your family still in Gonzales or? So, my parents are still in Gonzales. My brother and sister live in Houston with okay. their high-powered oil and gas jobs. Okay. Um, I am this. I my running joke is that I am the fattest and dumbest person in my family. <laughs> oh wow! I am not fat or dumb that's not what yeah. i said yeah. <laughs> that's why context is important yes um, so they're all back there um i i don't go back a ton okay um, but like i will go back eventually yeah. gotcha. to see them but gotcha. i am a california resident now 
I live in California. This is where I'm at. I have a stupid California's driver's license. Oh no. Yeah. So is is the plan after you know the next Olympics? Are are you gonna stay with your job? Because I would think too you would be a great coach. <laughs> okay. Um I coached pole vault in college. Yeah. Or at in grad school for college kids. It was really fun. I had a great time. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm not super emotional. I'm not super which is why I laughed when you called me bubbly, but like yeah. I <laughs> I like was really good at coaching the men because right. I could be like, do this. Yeah. What you just did was dumb. Do this. Right. I was not very good at coaching the women. Gotcha. And coaching um, young kids and would be being able to only coach one gender is not a good coach. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I don't know that that's what I should do, but I do, I really like my job. I think what I do is important. Um, cause basically I work for the state for their workers comp. And if businesses are having injuries, I go in and help them redesign their work processes so they don't get injured at work. Awesome. And that to me is really important. And it yeah. like makes it sends people home safe. They're not injured when they go home to their families. Um, like, I'm providing a service to them for the everyday person that also kind of uses biomechanics and my knowledge of athletics. And I think it's really important and helps more people than throwing a stick does. Throwing a stick is way more fun. Yes. But I, I do really like my job. And that was one of the things about this past year where maybe wasn't super happy with my results is people are like, well, are you going to leave? And I was like, if I didn't have this job, I would think about it. But because I like this job so much and I think it is important, I will stay and then make this work on the side. Wow. I like that. Awesome. Mm. That's awesome. I'm curious because we're getting down the ends. You've been outstanding. I've been talking way too much, I can tell. But no, no, we're, no, I love you. No, I, you're, we're we're big fans. You might be bigger fans than like Maggie. Don't tell Maggie that. You <laughs> <laughs> said it on the recording. Eh? No, no. <laughs> I'll take it out. She'll I'll take it out. out. So I, I'm curious because you said something earlier about not having javelin in you know high school athletics for you know and that's something we've been trying to promote is throwing and getting girls in our summer programs to do hammer but also javelin as well if a young girl was listening to this what advice would you give them you know who maybe have the same background of i did volleyball i did softball i did this but you know maybe i want to go try javelin i mean it's hard, right? Because I don't want you to just go pick up a javelin because that's a really way, really, really, really easy way to get hurt. Uh-huh. Um, because it is, and that's the reason Americans struggle with a javelin is it's not a natural throwing motion. It's very much a catapult launch thing. And I would actually argue that volleyball players are more well-suited to javelin than even softball players. Because softball, you can still kind of get away with that elbow width. Yeah, and that's, that's where you see a lot of those injuries is like labrum tears in the shoulder um, and Tommy John in the elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to try it, just remember that it's not about your arm and it's not about, it's not about being strong. You can get strong later. If you're someone that can do technique first and you can really dial in how to get your feet down and like use that whole body to like, throw something without relying on your arm and kind of letting that stretch reflex happen. 
you will find someone who will make you stronger in those positions and then you will be good at the javelin. Don't try to just throw it because you're strong or try to get strong and then throw it. Mm -hmm. Like do the technique first and it will come after that. So, I mean, it's not like there's, it's not like there's club javelin, right? Um, But some of us have talked about doing like a traveling javelin camp where we just like go around to different states that we're from and do javelin camps like that and try and not raise awareness, but get more states to do it. Yeah. I would love, we've actually talked with uh, Whitney Simmons. We actually sponsored her travel and some of that stuff. I don't know if you know who Whitney Simmons is, the hammer thrower, but we've talked about doing clinics and even, you know, jokingly with Maggie doing some stuff in the Texas area, just to kind of create Here's a young girl who, you know, might not find yourself in the volleyball basketball mode of Texas high school schools, but hey, I might be a good hammer thrower or I might be a good javelin thrower. Yeah. Well, and especially too, because (sighs) trying to figure out the best way to say this, (laughs) because it could be taken, it could be taken negatively, but I mean it entirely positively. Go look at the women in the Olympic javelin final. Mm hmm. Tell me what body type they have. Mm-hmm. You can't because it's every single body type. Yeah. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be fast. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to like, you can like be a little bit more pear shaped. You can like be a little bit more rectangle. You can be any shape that you want. It's not high jump where you need to be 65 pounds and six foot seven. Right. It's not, you know, it's not shot put where you need to be so stinking strong. Yeah. Like it's not any of those things. If you can figure out the technique of how to throw the javelin far, it does not matter what you are shaped like or what you look like. Great point. You will throw the javelin far. Great point. Great Which point. is infuriating for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do all this work for? exactly exactly no and that's why it needs to be in schools more for those girls who don't feel like they can do this other and well and any opportunity i think that women have to do sports is is incredible because i was talking with um someone the other day about like men professionally have so many options for sports you got football, you got basketball, you've got baseball, you've got major league soccer. Now you've got lacrosse. You've got, you've got everything possible. Women's subset of professional sports is so much smaller, especially in the United States. If you want to stay in the U S like you've got basketball, there's not really a women. There's a women's soccer league now, but it's kind of small. Mm -hmm. You could play volleyball overseas if you wanted, but there isn't really a league in the U S um i would maybe recommend against lingerie football yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah but i mean other than that it's it's track like tennis and golf are off on their own things like they're that's your that's really one in a million chance but track is one of basically three sports that you can do professionally as a woman in the united states so if of those three sports, you're not preparing women in one of them to be have the opportunity to throw or do whatever, like hammer or javelin. I think that's a disservice. 
Great point. That's true. So that's yeah. my soapbox. No, no, very well said, though. Very well. Yeah, very well said. You're right. Oh. You're awesome. <laughs> we, we're big fans. I wish we'd had you on earlier. Yeah. So. I'm all right. I'm a, I'm a diamond in the record. No. No. We, yeah, we didn't know who you were. So. <laughs> no, most people don't. Most people don't. So it's totally, totally. Have fine. you been back to Gonzales lately? When's the last time you've been back there? I have not been back since the fall of 2019. Okay. Um, but I will be back in October. Okay. Parade for you. They already have a parade. And I was like, how about you just put me in the existing parade? Okay. Like, let's not do a whole other parade. Okay. We already have too many parades. Yes. Let's Small just towns. do this one. I'll just sit in a car and drive past. And then you guys can watch the band and do it like, Oh wow! It doesn't need to be about me. I'll just be in it so that I'm fulfilling my civic. It, is this the same uh, pole vault pit still there that you used? I'm, I'm guessing they finally so. got a new one. Oh, they did. Okay. <laughs> Thank goodness. It was in rough shape because, as you said earlier, I graduated in 2007. So <laughs> When's the last time you pole vaulted? I'm just curious. Um. So, just for fun, I vaulted like at a practice. I like hijacked. Harrison Williams, the decathlete here, uh -huh. is in practice and like jumped a little bit. Um, but one of the things that I did before I left Texas A&M in 2016 is I told the vaulters that as payback, they could coach me in a pole vault meet. Okay. Because I was infamous for saying stuff like that was good, but not great. Like I was never happy with anything yeah. that they did. And so <laughs> they really, yeah, they it. really enjoyed saying that to me over and over and over yeah. again. Um, but I jumped in a little meet right before trials in 2016 in pole vault and jumped 441. Oh. So 14-4. Yeah. Um, and technically qualified for Olympic trials. Yeah. And that was a PR for you, right? It was a PR, yeah. yeah. Um, and they were like, look how good we are at coaching. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, but that's the last time I've like really I like vaulted a little bit at indoors in 2017 just because I was like, maybe I should. And I was like, no, you're right. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, with I'm this. done. Vaulting awesome. is done. I don't want to. Awesome. Do well, thank you so much. Yeah, you're amazing. Awesome. We wish you the best. Thanks. Um, Thank you for having me. Now, you're, now, you're a Velasa sponsor, right? Yes, I am. Okay. We want to make sure that we get that out there. Is there anything else you're sponsored with or anything like that? No. Okay. Nope. Okay. Just my job. Just your just, job. Just your okay. job. I am so right. in that way. Yes. Thank you so much for being on. This this is awesome. Lots you're of great you're a very great inspiration to where you've come from and what you've done. I like the fact that you weren't like groomed to be this great javelin thrower. Just kind of javelin kind of found you, and you kind of found your path in life. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. It's it's. It's been a wild ride for sure. And I'm most grateful for, I think, the people and the experiences that have come out of it. Like, it's still really fun to throw stuff really far, right? Yeah. But, um, like, like, I went to Africa. Like, I went to a meet in the Congo because I can throw a javelin. I went to Latvia. I went to, you know, all of these different... I went to Japan Yeah. because I can throw the javelin. So, I mean, it's it's more about what you can get out of it sometimes all right thank you so much we don't want to keep you any longer <laughs> i gotta go again is it five o'clock here yet oh yeah all right I'm out again. you got some you got some training to go do yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you so much. Appreciate it. What a what a great person. We are we are honored to have her Ariana on our um, Talking Throat podcast. It's, she was just amazing story, and just like I said, it's just it gives hope to a lot of young girls out there that you know there is a path for them. They just have to go out there and find it, and maybe just kind of trust God a little bit that. You know, God put me in this situation. I necessarily didn't like pole vault, but uh, I went to Rice and then I found Javelin and Javelin took me here and Javelin took me here and I just made the Olympics in Tokyo for 2021 and, and I'm gonna be continuing to doing this. It's just, what a great story. I think of it too, going back to her seventh grade year, you know, how she just tried pole vault and she played football and then we didn't even talk about it. Did she play basketball, volleyball? And she said at one point- I think she did. She I was think playing she... six sports. Yeah. That's a lot, but how versatile of an athlete to get her to be the javelin. She never thought that I'm going to the 2020 Olympics in the javelin when I'm checking out this hot boy who's a pole vaulter, <laughs> yeah. you know, but through all the sports that she did, just to you know, reiterate to kids, don't get yourself set on, I'm going to do this at a seventh and eighth grade or even maybe your freshman year. Yes, there's something about you know finding something, but keep staying active and keep doing, because if you want to be an Olympian, if you want to be a star and you're active, you'll find something that you can do it in. You know, and she found Javelin, and I love how she said how Javelin and pole vault are so similar. Never thought about that. Yeah, and I think I agree with her, like maybe separating from the jumps and the yeah. throws and having your own coats and stuff. And, yeah. you know, just also to academics, very, very, very important. She's very, very highly educated and, um, you know, undergrad at Rice, master's from Texas A&M. And she's, she's had people along the way like Chico and Brick and some others that really kind of helped her along the way get her at that point so we thank her so much for being on uh that's episode 52 uh, we're sorry we didn't know who you were until the olympics <laughs> now <we laughs> but do. now we do and for so sure. will everybody else sure. and get to hear your story that's what that's why we do this yes for that's sure. why we do this podcast we find people that have ties to texas and get their names out there yes we'll see y'all um, down the road thank you all right, I got to put my specs on. All right, we're going to thank our sponsors again, Texas Track and Field Coaches Association. Go to ttfca.org and check them out. And we can't talk enough about all the things that Stuart gets on this website. If you uh, any, if you want to know anything about track and field in Texas, go check that out. Got the um, Winter Clinic coming up. Lots of information out there. Go check it out, fourthrows.com. All the quality implements and tape measures and everything that you can get. Um, as a thrower, go check them out. Use the code TALKINGTHROWS20 to get 20% off. And then Porta Circle, <clears throat> go get you a Porta Circle. Uh, use code TALKINGTHROWS10 to get 10% off if you're in the Austin area. Um, go check out Ready Up Athletic Development. I know I follow him on Instagram and I he, they post so many great things that he's doing with kids there in the Austin area. Um, so hit up Zach at 512-507-8347. And then... Hello, Talking Throws Texas Podcasters. I'm Bruce Caldwell. I'm here today to introduce the Fiber Sport Discus. Yes, many of you thought I only made great vaulting poles. I have been bringing quality discuses to the thrower's hands for over 40 years. First as Cantabrian USA representative, then for the past 10 years as the Nelco Discus distributor. I introduced the yellow plated discus for the plastic's dur best durability. 
If your fiber sport distance breaks, we replace it. Our studies have reached into the science of using a wind tunnel and adding microchips to the discus to find the spin, the gravity, the flight stability of the discus. We have found it's not about rim weight anymore. It's more about creating a balanced stability to allow the discus to fly and surf the wind. Our new fiber sport discus is made to be selected to fit your needs, no matter the weather, no matter the conditions. Check out our discus selection guide at fibersportdiscus.com and find a dealer in your area that sells our fine product. Thank you, Jason Janelle, for allowing me to talk with your listeners on Talk and Throws Texas Style. Um, and then remember, always go check us out on thethrowingfactory.com. Um, as you're you know, kind of getting here into the fall, you guys are ready to get going with um, starting throwing or lifting or whatever you need to do, give us a call. And then give us some feedback on this podcast. What are you thinking about the YouTube? How's everything going? If there's anyone out there you want us to talk to, um, send that information to us. We're always open for hearing. And then y'all need to go check out our Lifting DFW, Human Performance. Uh, it's our mobile fitness station. It's going to help your performance. Okay, whether you are a five-star athlete, a stay-at-home mom, a middle-aged dad who wants to get fit, or just a youth looking to get better at sport, go check out our lift, lifting, excuse me, liftingdfw.com, um, and reach out to us, and we can um, hook you up. Reach out to me. Or reach out to him. Don't take care. 